<laughs> Welcome to All Things D&D's Story Dungeon, where we sh Welcome to All Things D&D's Story Dungeon, where we share amazing Dungeons and Dragons stories with you every two days. An all barbarian party amazingly derails a campaign. Hi everyone, All Things D&D is back with another story. Oops, all barbarians. Who needs a variety of classes when you can just beat everything to death? Tell us about your out of the norm party after listening to this one. Okay guys, time to start the game. What are you guys playing? The DM asked. My friend T cut in and answered first. I'm playing Eurist, a dwarven barbarian. He liked booze a little too much and got kicked out of his mountain home. Okay, sounds good. How about you? The DM asked, turning to me. Well, uh, I also rolled a barbarian. He's a human, though. He's lived in the shadow of the same mountain his entire life, but never knew there were dwarves there. That's how we and Eurist met, I said. The other three people at the table awkwardly shared a look with each other. G finally broke the tension and mumbled, Well, we all rolled barbarians, too. The DM looked at all of us, rifled through his notes for the next couple of sessions, and threw away about half of it. He took a deep breath and said, mm, Let's do this. And so our all-barbarian campaign began. The five of you are seated across from the adjudicator of the city. He gazes balefully at you. I'm sorry, but my character's int is seven. What do those words mean? Jay interrupted. We all snicker. Adjudicator is man who make law. Balefully is angrily, the DM clarified. Oh, okay. Shuffling a sheaf of papers between his hands, looking at you again ba uh, angrily, he tells you that there are a number of criminals that need to be apprehended. He stands up and hands you the list. The DM gives me a handwritten list of names, description, reasons for warrant, and bounty amounts. I turn it over in my hands, staring intently at the paper from all angles. Then I turn to the DM. Thragmar... Uh, can't read. The table shared a giggle, and the DM sighed. Alright, who can? The DM asked. G raised his hand. My character can. He has an int of 12. We all looked at him in disbelief. It's true, his name is Sir Grog Esquire. He's a nobleman, of sorts. The DM buried his face into his hands, and we could feel his spirit die just a little. I really should have looked over your characters beforehand, but alright, continue. G proceeded to read out the list of criminals while we listened. The group is completely enraptured by his ability to read, which is a foreign concept to all of our characters. After a bit of bickering, we decided the first person we're going to track down is a horse thief, who set up a camp a few leagues outside of the town. After a long ride to the horse thief's hideout, during which we praised Sir Grog for his astounding ability to read, we finally got to the cave system he'd been using. It's a little cliche, I know, but the DM is a fan. We dismounted, took a quick look around, and spent a few minutes planning. We decided that we're going to try to sneak up to the entrance. The thief has a couple of sentries posted, the DM warned. Okay guys, I have an idea. Let's disguise one of us as a tree and sneak up on them, M said confidently. We all agreed that this is a fantastic idea. Roll for it, the DM said, his tone all but promising that we would be seen. M rolls a disguise check and we assist him, giving him a plus 4 to disguise himself as a tree. He rolled a 13, which gave him a total of 17 on the roll, making it a success. His roll to sneak, however, is another story. He rolled a 6, which takes a minus 2, because he's disguised himself as a freaking tree. The sentries notice you. I cast sleep on them, M said. We all looked at M like he'd gone bananas. I got this, just listen. He then proceeded to tell us how his barbarian pulled out his arcane carved stick, waved it around chanting nonsense for a few seconds, pointed it at the two guards, shouting, SLEEP NOW! Both M's barbarian and the guards are perplexed. 
The barbarian is confused because he doesn't understand why the spell didn't work, and the guards are confused because they don't understand what the hell is happening. So, M's barbarian does the only thing a barbarian would possibly do in that situation. Get frustrated and bash them over the head with his wizard staff, knocking them out cold. We all love this turn of events, and even the DM cracked a grin at the creative role-playing. We decided that there's no reason for us to even attempt to sneak around inside the hideout, so instead we opted to break down the door. We cleaved and bashed our way through plenty of baddies. Eventually, we reached the chamber of the horse thief. His chambers are draped in all sorts of cloth and chains. Arcane symbols are scrawled all over the walls. There are books everywhere. Sitting atop a pedestal is a skull with a pentagram carved into its forehead. It glares down at you with a malevolent air. The DM said in a pretty creepy voice. He then read off a long and impressive speech by the horse thief about the imminent end of all things, doom and other grim stuff. After patiently waiting it out, we initiated combat. We quickly killed a fragile NPC and hacked off his head and thumbs. Alright, let's get out of here, T said. But don't you want to look around some more? The DM asked. We already got everything of value out of this place. Let's just take off, G answered. But what about his books? Dude, we're barbarians. What the hell are we going to do with books? I asked. The DM huffed a bit, but couldn't really do anything to stop us since he abhors railroading. So we strike back towards the town, severed head and thumbs bounce merrily in a sack hanging off the side of my horse. Over the course of the game, which unfortunately only lasted about two dozen or so sessions due to college getting in the way and respective jobs limiting our time, we collected each of these outlaws. And just like the first, each subsequent outlaw had a pretty similar setup going on. A seemingly mundane criminal in possession of a great deal of magical items. And each time without fail, our simple minds would miss out on the connection or get distracted by shiny things and other MacGuffins. We completely failed to notify anyone of import about what was going on in these lairs. But I have to tell you, it was one hell of a ride. The dwarf was tossed on multiple occasions and in one instance ended up inside the guts of a giant. He proceeded to hack his way up through the body, cut the heart out of it and burst out of the giant's chest, screeching, then took a tremendous bite out of the still-beating organ. We were a bit more afraid of him after that. Probably my finest moment in combat rolling happened during this campaign. We were fighting a group of greater bar guests and I had just been disarmed. Not about to lay down and let these things eat my face, I rolled a 19 on a strength check to grab the nearest one by the tail and swing it about. I used my makeshift bar guest flail to bludgeon the other bar guests into the negatives. I wasn't content with just that though, there was still one standing. I rolled a nat 20 and threw the bar guest through the other bar guest. But I digress. Despite our best efforts to continue meeting, the time finally came when our boisterous group of brawny barbarians was to disband. We'd proven our worth a hundred times over to the townspeople, so they were awarding each of us with a small parcel of land and a good deal of gold. Sir Grog would finally be a real lord, with real peasants and real holdings. Eurist Meadbeard the Dwarf could have his very own genuine dwarven tavern to destroy every night in a drunken rage and rebuild in the morning. Thragmar was not content to settle down, so he planned to sell the land and get an even bigger axe with the money. Then he would set off to find the legendary plain of Isgard, where he could fight, drink, and winch for all of eternity. He eventually got there, but that's a story for another time. Rolf became the most famous muscle wizard in the land and planned to use his gold, land, and influence to start a school for his unique brand of magic. But fate, the DM and our good friend Jay had other plans. The DM's grin was absolutely malicious as he sat behind his screen and described the calamity that befell us as we rewarded our holdings. It was as if he'd finally found a way to get back at us for derailing his campaign so completely, so spectacularly, that there was no way in hell he was going to finish it the way he'd planned to. So he decided to try and do the next best thing. Kill all of our characters. What it boiled down to is this. Each of the outlaws had been a part of the same malevolent cult, seeking to resurrect a forgotten beast, which slumbered beneath the town. 
Its name had been lost to the ages, but pictures had survived. So some bright bulb wanted to see this thing firsthand. Fortunately for us, the cultists had mucked up their spells without being able to figure out how to get the spell to activate. Unfortunately for us, behind our back, Jay and the DM had conspired to make Jay the final piece of the puzzle, which would awaken the slumbering monster and, hopefully, kill us all. As you stand on the stage with cheering throngs of townspeople all around you, you're suddenly jostled out of the way, the DM said. I shoved the party aside and tossed the mayor away from the podium, Jay said, then spoke in character. Fools, you come here on this day for celebration, but I am here to tell you that this day heralds your doom. With those words, I draw my longsword and plunge it through my own heart, falling off the stage onto the ground below. The ground quakes and begins falling apart. The bone-chilling sound of gnashing of teeth rises up from the cracking earth. 200 yards away, an entire section of the town disappears as something massive shifts beneath the ground. Moments later from the bowels of the earth, the unnamed one rises. Its many tentacles whip about its head in a bloody frenzy as its eons-long slumber finally ends. The townspeople scream and panic, running in every direction in their primal fear. Women and children scream and cry. The old and weak are trampled underfoot. Men go mad at the sight of such a monstrosity. It opens its seven gaping maws, lets loose a mighty roar, and begins charging towards you. The DM finished dramatically. Roll for initiative. We all roll reasonably well. I get a 16, M gets a 15, G gets a 19, and T rolls a 13. Unfortunately, the DM knew we'd do fairly well on our initiatives, so to counteract the penalty to initiative that massive creatures take, he stacked improved initiative on the monster. So needless to say, it went first. Luckily, he gave us this round to prepare. It would take at least two turns for the beast to get over to our location. We grouped up in a quick huddle, made our plan and stood our ground against the charge. Have you ever imagined what it would be like to be beset upon by a kraken when you're armed only with a great sword of magic power and dubious origin? How about if that kraken was on land, could cast several level 3 spells as abilities without requiring either materials or somatic components, and did 3d10 plus 35 damage per swing? That's what it was like fighting this monster. I tell you, if we hadn't plundered an amazing amount of gold from each of the hideouts, we wouldn't have stood a chance. As it was, we were getting pummeled, and we needed to end it fast. T passed me a note. I looked at him and solemnly nodded my head. It's your turn, the DM said to me. I turned to Eurist, who grabs my forearm as I grab his. I said, I just want you to know, it was the greatest honor I ever knew fighting alongside you, Eurist said roughly. I feel tears well up in my eyes, and I see them welling up in Eurist too. I hand him my portable hole, and he takes out his bag of holding. Now toss me, a sodden moron, one last time, Eurus growled. The DM looked stunned. Roll, strength. I rolled. I wish I could say it was a natural 20, because by cord, Eurus deserved it. But it wasn't. It was a 19. With my strength modifier and the feat from Complete Warrior, that lets you toss things better, the total was 31. I spin Eurist around, tears streaming down my face into my beard, as I do so, and I toss him into the gaping maw of the unnamed one. T, the round passes to you. You take 23 points of crushing damage and 47 points of acid damage, which brings you to 3 HP. I put the portable hole in the bag of holding, T said. The DM looked at us, then at his notes, then leaned back in his chair. A portal opens up, sucking you and the unnamed one into the astral plane. We all miraculously passed our strength checks to avoid being sucked through. Everyone was quiet for a few minutes after that. The DM looked as if he was cycling between pure fury and helpless adoration at the defeat of his BBEG. Jay just looked sullen. He wanted us to die with him, not defeat the monster in such an epic way. The town built a statue to memorialize Eurist for his sacrifice. To this day, the town and the other party members like to think he's on some better plane. One with lots of booze and fighting. I know better though, because as it turned out, he was. 
But like I said before, that's a story for another day. Thanks for listening to All Things D&D's Story Dungeon. We'd love to have you subscribe and review us on iTunes and Spotify. Until next time! Ha 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 ha!